Hello and welcome to the Digger Podcast, where we talk about everything to do with earth-moving attachments. Join Digger CEO Alan Wade, product specialist Anthony Weekman, and head of marketing Lionel Smitka for a blend of helpful information, interviews and funny stories from the past 40 years. Hey gents, welcome back to the mic. It's been quite a while since we recorded the last podcast, but here we are. Before we move on and talk about trenches, let's talk about what you've been up to. We'll start with you, Alan. Well, in the, what is it, 11 months? Just feels like yesterday, doesn't it? Um, you know, with travel, travel restrictions lifting for us, we've started our, you know, travelling back overseas again, doing trade shows. Um, this this year, February, I was went across to the US for the World of Concrete, which was great. Still very much COVID affected, but it was in Las Vegas. It's the first time I've ever been in Las Vegas, and I swear you could shoot a gun down the the main street and not hit anyone. It's, it was very quiet. But um, it wasn't wasn't a bad show. Um, from there I went up to our, our factory in Iowa um, where we've, in the COVID period, in the two and a half years of COVID, we've um, we put an extension on, um, added some new machinery over there so it's um, that, that place is pretty self-sufficient. Um, and back here in Australia we've I think we how, just, how many numbers there are over there now? Actually, it's yeah. grown. It's like it's 50, 50 odd people now in the in the factory. That's amazing. It's, it's yeah. It's really seems like there's only twelve bloody last year. Yeah. Well, I think in the two years of COVID, we it's in the you know the increase in you know, work that we've got over there, it grew rapidly. You know, we, we've had and it's not just not just factory workers. You know, with factory workers, are, you know, welders and machinists and whatever. Yeah, they grew as as you know, as the product I mean grew, but also on the internal side, you know, we've now got HR purchasing, you know, um, production planning. And I guess we're only limited by being able to fill extra positions. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, or else we could grow much faster. So still the same staff shortages, like get, finding it's, the people over there as, as here? Where, where we are, the town we're in, Dyersville, Iowa, it's... um. I think it's a community of about four and a half thousand people or something like that. So you've only got a pool of workers, and most of the workers are off. They're off farms, and you know, and they, they, they or their parents or grandparents have got you know these um, corn. That's all they grow there: corn, corn, and more corn. And um, so these guys will come and come and work for you through the day, and then you know you can be driving home at night, and you'll see them harvesting corn. Yeah, through, yeah. The, through the night, yeah, and then they're back the next morning to weld or machine or whatever, whatever. It's the, it's quite an incredible way of life over there. But yeah, yeah. then again, they've got um, they probably have about five months of where they're under ten foot of snow. So you know, yeah, yeah. They, um, and and I, I I say it a lot, but they they are some of the most loyal people to the to the to the business. They'll they'll move heaven and earth. To get to work in what they call snow days, where it's where it's basically doomed that you can't drive on the roads. It's it's you know it's dangerous. Don't be on the roads. Don't leave your homes. These guys will do whatever they can. We've had plenty uh, stuck uh, on the side of the oh, road in yeah. culverts and yeah. and uh, stuck it, for hours and still make it to work. There was one. There was one. There's one young fellow. I'll shout out to him. You know, Keith Smith. He's been with us for a, you know for a while. He's a, a young fellow there, and he would. Um, He'd be driving to work and he'd come across a snowdrift across the road, so he just he knew where the road went, so he would just plough through that snowdrift, <laughs> to, 
just use his car as a battering ram and then all of a sudden slide off the road and he's in a ditch and he'd ring us up and say oh i'm just running run a bit late for work boss i'm in a ditch and they'd say yeah keith you don't have to come in today it's a snow day you know no no, no i'll be there and he'd wait trick the trick is or this what you do over there is if you do go off the road you leave your engine running to keep your car warm you leave your headlights on and you just sit in and wait wait for the snow plow wait for all the tow trucks or snow plow come along they'll see you see your lights in the ditch Mm -hmm. they'll hook onto you and they'll pull you back up on the road and away you go again he did that twice in one day and (laughs) still came to work (laughs) (laughs) i say good on you keith (laughs) you're champion they get some company snowmobiles yeah, yeah. But, vehicles. you know but moving on now like, you know we, here in australia i think we just um we've just started putting solar on our on our factory here in yatla i think there's what 1300 plus panels. isn't yeah. it something like that 1300 plus panels so um 600 volts or 600 watts well, registered um power yeah well, it's because or? yeah on on you know sundays or saturday sundays if we're we're not working um because currently we've been working we've been working six days 24 hours you know it's really only been the sunday that there's been no mm. one there but anyway saturdays or sundays if there's no one there we're technically class as a power station so we've had to apply to the government to push that much energy back into the grid so yeah it's quite exciting um, and good for the environment you know good for everything so fantastic yeah and what uh, what have you been up to oh maybe we've had lots going on um in this time we've had the release or design and release of the new bar spears so um we thought that was going to be a you know quick quick knock up of a frame and, and put it out but you know being the digger way that we have to make sure that we design something that's fit for purpose so it wasn't a case of just putting a couple of bits of RHS together in a square um, the engineering boys came up with a fantastic new design and um, made it nice and lightweight and um, and fit for purpose and um, you know it, it's now in and functioning and getting done in the, the factory really well and um, received well mm. by the. I like the way the too that they um, they designed it up how how well it packages up. Yeah. So we can do it in what do we do it in mean, yeah, fours, the, eights, or something? Or yeah, um, we're fours, fours, four eights, and and twelve packs, yeah. and all yeah. stacks up on a on a pallet, yeah. all nice and neat, and um, then the the spears all sort of connect into the back of it, and so it's 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 a really neat neat design and mm. um the guys should be really proud of themselves of what they um they knocked up for for some of that could be very very simple little bit of rhs yeah. square yeah, from the initial um, release that they've been well yeah. accepted yeah really well yeah. accepted so they're strong they're they're strong but not overdone with with material so and the big thing aussie made that's it that's it they're pumping them out so plenty going out to um to the farms and and whatnot so uh we also had the first release of the new x series bucket so the um the minis have come out and um they've been released now so the x series bucket is a whole new redesign of the uh one bucket series so from our minis right through to the uh large and extra large and we're introducing that big loader style bucket that um is going to be for those huge machines that are almost like mini drots these days so um they're, they're coming through really well. It's a it's a smart design. Again, we've the engineering guys have looked at it and um, 
fixed it up where it needs fixing up, strength where it needs strength, and and lightened it up where there's unnecessary. Well, well it's exciting because the uh, four in one bucket design hasn't changed in twenty years. No, and, and they've looked at it from scratch, um, from the bottom up, and uh, got some really exciting features uh, coming up so we're really excited about that launch yeah and it just it looks good it's a really yeah. good looking it's going to really complement your machine when that machine's rolling off brand new and you're picking up for the first time you're going to have this smart looking bucket on yeah, the it's front, ergonomic so. it's like it's you know it's the this the whole functionality shape everything of it it looks good you know, it's well, a, we um we had a guy at ddt that uh, when he found out the bucket wasn't going to be released till the end of the year. He decided to put off the delivery of his new machine yeah. uh, to uh, to meet the bu- bucket. So oh, well. that's great news. Yeah. yeah. So that that was the the minis out and rolling. You can order those now, and and we're rolling through with the large ones now. So I, I noticed um, the clevises were all through the other day. So um, hopefully we'll have the first batch of those ones rolling out into um, Manitou. Um, in the coming months, mm, I think they're mm. going to take delivery of their first first ones. So, um, and then um, I was off to Indonesia uh, with Mr. Goff, Steve Goff, and myself had to go over to Indonesia and commission a couple of mulches. So, um, yeah. Uh, Exciting when, trip, I bet. Yeah, when Steve when Steve approached me and said, "Look, hey, these guys want us to go over and commission these ones. You know, we'll have to go over to Jakarta and." You know, you go, oh, well, Jakarta, yeah, it'll be a little bit exciting. <laughs> but uh, you forgot to uh, mention, and I forgot to read the fine print, that it wasn't just Jakarta. It was then from Jakarta back onto another island called Ambon, drive for about an hour, then onto a car ferry for nearly two hours, then onto another car and then drive... Over a mountain over range a mountain or something. <laughs> and for about another hour and a half. So we were, we were deep bush Indonesia. I heard that um, you had... The, must have been the Indonesian World Rallycross champion or something driving. Oh yeah, that. mate. He was. Um, I'm, I'm glad he could drive because it was it was next level driving. <laughs> I mean, Steve both both sort of commented a few times, going, "Have we got it right the way we drive with such rules and regulations, or have they got it right with mm. just it's just." It's organised chaos is probably the way mm. to describe it. You know, you're on the wrong side of the road, have, heading for another car head on, but. They just know to move, when to move, and they mm. both know which side they're going to go. And mm. and um, so, you know, we we both, each morning we'd hop in the car and, and, you know, I'd get in the driver's side and Steve would get in the passenger's side. And about day two or three, we sort of said, hey, do you want to swap? Because my arm's getting sore hanging onto that handle because <laughs> we were just swinging side to side. So we, we, we swapped sides. But um, you, you, it's amazing how quickly... By day three, we're sort of quite not alarmed by it, I guess. Yeah, we're, yeah. We're, you could we're, open you your eyes again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You, weren't, you weren't squealing uh, <laughs> as much. So, uh, But that was good. We got the two two um, mulchers commissioned for PT Spice over there. They were, they were doing a hemp fa- uh, plantation for uh, producing uh, tea bags, of all things. So we, we thought it might have been the exciting side of hemp, but it's it was... Susters, yeah, yeah. It was tea bags. <laughs> you've so. been happy since you've come home. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, what can I say? And, yeah. and very hungry yeah. too. Yeah. I, <laughs> I bought a couple of dogs home from the airport too. They won't leave me alone. So. Um, but yeah, look, we got them. The, the guys over there had never never had any, any kind of attachment like this. They'd had a bucket uh, on the excavator, but... Um, 
They, um, they, they used got, to shave the palm trees with like a bucket. Yeah, that, so that's, a, that's like the a second or the other side of their business is the is the palm oil where they recycle. So oh. we're, we're hoping to get another two into that, and that'll be up in the Borneo oh, region. Yeah. Yep. But um, this was this was for just clearing scrub, right. and then and they then leave a, and they leave a certain amount of large trees yeah. for they need shade a percentage of shade. Yeah. yeah so. Um, but the, the guys were into it, you know. One day of, of sort of bit of mucking around and bit of training, mm. and then they were they were just munching down stuff and getting mm. rid of it. And, and um, he got they got a great crew over there. We we nicknamed the the uh, head mechanic over there. We called him Indo Ronnie. So he's he's <laughs> like our Ronnie Heinberg. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. he's just where there's a will, there's a way. And um, you know, we got caught up a couple of times with the different you know wrong fittings supplied, and mm. and he just cut and shut two fittings and made a T piece welding it together with a stick weld and his and his oh. little diesel generator out in the bush, you know. So he was he was a he was a great asset. It's gold when business. you find people like that, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, like. yeah. So, but it's it's next level, you know. From from the almost over safety side of of our society these days to probably the other side where you got guys climbing up yeah. the boom of the excavator and all that sort of thing. So it was um it was it was an adventure. We ate some um, some interesting food and. Um, I kept my weight loss journey going by, by <laughs> limiting <laughs> limiting my intake of food. So, um, what was that um, that nut you were eating? Or oh, what do you call it? Durin, I think it was called. But it, it was they they described it as a, a very bad smell, but it, it oh. tasted beautiful. But um, you had to get like past spiky, the smell. Yeah, it's like a spiky outside. And you crack it open, and and I I described only what would be in the inside of it, like a like a fetus. It looked like, and, <laughs> oh. and it was like a. Like a flesh of a very, very ripe banana, and um, and then you, you, yeah, you get past the smell. But you know, they said it was going to taste nice, but yeah. it wasn't. Yeah. For the jury's out. Wasn't, wasn't for this one, so yeah. that uh, we I passed on that. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, look, it, it, the guys looked after us. Famously, Hugo over there was our um, our guide and um, an interpreter. Without him, we wouldn't have been able to communicate with anyone. Mm, so, mm. Um, I heard they they kept you kept you awake with coffee or something. Oh they? yeah, we we went and um, met met up with uh, I think he's the head of police for the island and and he's a coffee fanatic. He, he loves his coffee. He just um, you know where where you know you'd have a bar in your house of all your all your different alcohols. He's got a bar of coffee and all the different mixes of mm. different coffee yeah. from around the world and God, we thought Mr. Goff was a coffee snob. Oh mate, th- thank God Goffy was the he was the the guru. He the guy the guy loved Steve because they really communicated. It was like listening to two people talk about wines, you know, what region and did it have spices and mm. hints and tones of this, that and the other thing and you know, so we thought we're gonna go for a you know, one or two coffees and and but you know, nine shots of coffee later at um at like ten o'clock at night, and uh, I, I think the last report was about three thirty, four o'clock. We got to bed, mm. and um, poor old Hugo, who who was maybe maybe a coffee every other day, he might have. Yeah. He he was, I think he was hallucinating at one point. <laughs> his heart was beating out of his chest. Hugo's English or something, is he? Yeah, Hugo's an expat out of the UK. Oh, yeah. he, he's up in Borneo in the palm plantations, yeah. but he was over there just facilitating the handover and all that. Yeah. So. So he, he lo- Hugo loves his loves his. He hasn't um, slept well since. Yeah, yeah, but the the coffee nearly killed him. I think he was his hands were trembling. He was, oh, he's he was probably still awake listening to this podcast. Now. <laughs> <laughs> he was 
he was um, he was dreaming in colour and all sorts of things. So <laughs> he was he was next level for old Hugo. Mm-hmm. He um, he really struggled with that coffee. As as look, me and Steve both love our coffees and we have regular coffee every day. But um, yeah, nine shots was um, yeah, a bit was, much. It was pretty heavy. Now, now Ant, um, we heard that the podcast maybe hasn't gone to Indonesia, but we believe that uh, YouTube has. Oh, yeah, mate. I'm, I'm, I'm world famous. They, they signed some autographs. They, they, love, they love hearing if you're on YouTube and uh, a few guys would go, are you the YouTube guy? You're the YouTube guy. And, you, and then they'd give you their phone and you'd have to, um, you'd have to Google, you know, dig a YouTube and, and then they'd sit there and watch it. And then I had to, one guy actually wanted me to interview him. He said, oh, you interview me through the interpreter, obviously. Yeah. You interview me for your next YouTube. So we sat down and I'd, I'd had a couple of bintangs. And so we start talking, but he, he doesn't understand what I'm saying at all. And I don't understand what he's saying. So I don't know if that one will make the cut. But, um, yeah, but so you're the YouTube a, guy. It was the YouTube guy. Yeah, they, they, they love that. So And then uh, we had a... Most people are saying it's too long or a bit boring or you're rambling and, you know, wind it up, you're, you're rambling on. But um, there's a couple of guys, man, we want longer ones. We want longer ones. Make longer YouTube. So, <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't know if anyone... We might have to do an Indonesian version. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right. So, on another note, we had a really um, positive or successful fundraiser with the OCRF, the Ovarian Cancer Research Foundation. Um, Digger donated sixty thousand um, uh, dollars. Susie's family donated another forty, mm. uh, which we matched people's donations. So anyone that donated uh, in June uh, on OCRF, we matched that donation. Um, and the uh, foundation raised over two hundred sixty thousand dollars, and yeah, they were crazy. they were yeah. looking for about two hundred thousand to. Uh, to fund some projects, so unbelievable and, results. And, it's, and really good to hear too from the from the ACRF that um, the inroads they're making into you know the early detection of, of ovarian cancer, which is really important because it's um, it's undetectable until yeah. you're you know, unfortunately until most women are at stage stage four. Yeah. And um, but they're making great inroads where they they um, they keep saying that they're so close. Yeah. You know, very, very positive. It's very positive, and we're we're excited about it too. And you know, and we'll I'd continue. Say if to it's detected early, it, it's survivable. It's survivable. Yeah. And yeah. Um, so yeah. close, and um, we're, we're just so happy with the result. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's um, on another note, uh, we changed the paint. We moved to a textura paint, which is supposed to be five hundred times more scratch resistant than your standard wet paint. Um, it's a little bit textured. Um, it's it's a matte. It, it looks great. It's got a nice modern look to it. Yeah. 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 Uh, so that was good. We we've changed to ISO standard decals as well, uh, and manuals. Um, that sort of uh, puts us to a standard, a, a worldwide standard. Yeah. Um, you'll notice that our auger drives and trenches, uh, the the warning decals. There's no text on them. They're just pictures. Um, that's, that's because like the word caution doesn't translate into every language. Yeah. So that's right. When you say stay away four meters, you know that, that to someone that doesn't speak English, it does yeah. make sense. So when we're sending our drives all over the world, um, you know we've had to to match you know the standards and and try and suit everybody. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, rather, so you're rather than having yeah. you know fifty different decal kits and where it's where it's going, yeah, we can have the. 
the one. It's been an yeah. effort, but for the marketing and for engineering to get the yeah, get yeah. Un- unbelievable. I was yeah. talking to Roy yesterday and and Billy, and they, they said if Roy didn't have if he doesn't get another job, he has I think two and a half years of work. Yeah, just in getting all the manuals done, as you said, he's got to read every single text of every yeah, single yeah, operator's yeah, manual yeah. and then some of the ones that we need to update he's got to bring them into line with um, oh. the the standard the standards sort of but once so he's done that we need to translate them into seven <laughs> languages how's, how's Roy going to go when he's got, trying to read it in polish or yeah. <laughs> well we'll he's the professor he'll work it out we, we, we're currently uh <laughs> translating them so it's it's a huge undertake but uh, you know yeah. it's there are the behind the scene things that you you just don't you don't realise that what goes on into yeah, yeah. you know like it's great when you go oh, let's export around the world but with that comes a yeah, whole yeah. lot of complexity yeah. that that you need to yeah. regulations in California are different to the rest of the the country yeah. and then rest of Europe's different in Ling- England now because they've gone away so yeah. mm. and, and the funny thing is you read on social media you know some guys put. Uh, Oh, the new decals are crap. And you go, okay, breathe, (laughs) breathe. You don't understand. (laughs) Um, Anyway, like Al said as well, uh, trade shows are back. Uh, I think in October we've got um, a big show in Kentucky. Uh, We've got Baumer in Germany. Um, so you know we're we're back organising all those big shows, which is uh, which is good. Yep. Um, and um, another big one, we've launched a uh, website called My Digger, and it's a it's a website uh, which is accessible from a QR code, which has operators' manuals, risk assessments, how-to videos. Um, it's really going to help our operators just find material and just help them, uh, you know, with their every, every day. So there'll be a sticker on the attachments that go out and then those attachments will also have a little a sticker attached to them that they can put inside their cab so, you know, they can refer back to to anything that they may now need. They have how to use videos and all that. Yeah. That's the long-term plan, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, a lot of the videos that uh, you've filmed and a lot of the ones that you're about to film on, you know, just hints, safety videos, just anything that might help uh, operators. Yeah. So we're really excited about that. So we'll uh, have a link to the podcast. Uh, maybe it should. It should. <laughs> I definitely should. That should be the first one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, we might move on to uh, to trenches now. Um, we all know what trenches are, but um, Anthony, if you could just take us through, you know, what are they used for? And uh yeah, look, the trenches that we sell are used for, you know, the Sparky who wants to run a little couple of meter trench from the the power pole into the house, and or the plumber who's doing the same to to guys who are trenching kilometres a day uh, for irrigation lines in in agricultural or um, services alongside the road. Um, They're getting more accepted overseas now. There's something that probably wasn't traditionally used overseas in Mm. in your emerging markets in Thailand and Indonesia, those sort of things where where labels were a bit champ. Japan just recently. Yeah, that's true. We've we've shipped trenches off to Japan. Container load over there. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. um, Australia's probably been ahead of the game in, in... Utilising the trencher attachment, you know, it's not just used on a on a skid steer either. You know, you can adapt it to a an excavator, and instead of you know using a a one fifty bucket or a two hundred mil bucket and 
bringing up big clumps of, of dirt and placing that beside the trench, it'll bring up a nice mm. fluffy... Especially in those clay-type yeah, soils. It's, yeah, it's nice and, and, you know, ready to just put straight back in. You don't mm. need to bring in extra soil mm. um, and get and cart that off and get mm. rid of it. It'll, it'll process it so that it can go straight back in that trench mm. and compact it down and away it goes. So um, as long as your trench is... Oh, sorry, as long as your excavator's got, you know... 36 plus litres a minute, about tonne and a half size and up, mm. we can get our mini trenches on there, um, right through to, you know, about your eight tonne yeah, yeah. Um, size machine that's going to run those excavators, uh, going to run those trenches. And then we've got two styles. We've got the big foot trencher, which has got your guide uh, depth control on the foot and um, makes it very easy for the operator and those guys who aren't trenching that often. And then we've got our high drive, which is a dual spoil auger, drive sprockets up out of the way. Uh, and it's probably for that guy who's trenching every other day, yeah. if not every day. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you brought out a good point, Anthony. You said that you can put the um, trench on an excavator, but I can hear people saying now, why would I you use a trench or buy a trench when I can just use the bucket? Um, you mentioned that the soil going back in is the advantage, but what are the other advantages? Is it faster than bucket work or...? Well, yeah. it's... Fa- oh, sorry, Ant, yeah. but this, it's, it, it is faster... But it's also, you can get a deeper trench, as in you can go to 1,200 or in some cases 1,500 with a mm. bigger two-inch pitch, um, where to use a trenching bucket to get 150 wide, it's impossible. You can't, you can't do it, you know, yeah. it, especially at those sort of depths. Okay. And again... Yeah, you've you got to go cut a much wider yeah, trench to yeah. get that depth in your... Yeah. To get the boom. Yeah. And then again, you, you're, you're left with that clumped up spoil, <laughs> which as Amp just mentioned there, that nine times out of ten has to be carted away and then mm. then fill brought back in to fill that trench so, back. So yeah. for the person that uh, that doesn't understand why we mean that carting away, if you're putting clumps of dirt back in a trench, you're leaving air pockets you in there. You can't compact it, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then next time it rains, you, that's when you get the sinking. Yeah. Um, where if the soil is uh, finely crumbled, like like the trencher produces, you can compact it. It compacts down really, lot, really lot hard, better, yeah. So. yeah. And then when you come across, you know, you, you'll get a floater of, you know, be a shelf of shale in there or a, a bit of rock or something like that. You've either got to take the bucket off, jackhammer that out, you end up with a, a hole... <laughs> Ten times bigger than what you what you wanted, or you got to try and pull that whole rock out. Mm. Where you know, if you've got a full dig attack, which is our tungsten carbide tooth, if you've got a full one of those on, and that rock is sort of crumbly and, and breaks up, you, you're going to cut through. I mean, you know, we'll never say that it's designed to cut rock mm. dedicated, mm. but we've had guys that have used them as as you know, hey, rock, rock saw, you know. Yeah. Up in Sydney Heads and, and well, packing into I'd, it. So. I'd, you know, back in my day on the road, it was you know I remember going over to, I called over to, um, Clavelli, on the you know on the foreshores, and um, this guy there, and he worked for a, a good friend of ours, Scott Evans. Um, this guy's, he's actually trenching solid sandstone on the headland. No, there was not. no there was no dirt. <laughs> he was just in the rock, and I, and I pulled him up and I said. This is not what it's designed for, you know. He goes, but it's working. And he, but he was talking with a stutter because he'd been sitting in his machine that was like, da, 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 for so long. And I called his the boss up, Scott, and I said, "Hey, Scott, it might be working for you, 
but just look at your machines just think about you know what what it could be doing to your pins and bushes and stuff like that and so anyway they they just carried on with it and it did the job and worked fine telstra in sydney when um when pay tv and all that was going through sydney this is i'm going back god 30 years now but they specified you had to use a trencher and they actually it was good from good from us in business was that when a contractor turned up to sign up to work for Tel- to, for Telstra to do the pay TV, um, they gave them our business card and <laughs> said, "You need a trencher and an underdrive borer." That's right. Yeah, the underroad borer. Under- the underroad borers came to life. Yeah. Too. yeah, oh. yeah. And um, that was great for our business because all these people just said, "Oh, I've been told to come and see you guys." and kit me up so we were kitting people up with all this stuff and yeah one of the biggest questions we get on social media or youtube is can i trench through road um the road like the bitumen bitumen yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. It, bitumen isn't as hard as you, it the substrate's probably harder than, yeah. than the actual bitumen the bitumen will will come get cut quite easily it's a substrate yeah, depending on how stabilized much, ground yeah, on the how earth, much yeah. they've compacted it and, and what it's been compacted with that can be like yeah, concrete that can be hard but you know whether it's a trench or an auger we've got the bits and the, yeah. the gear that'll get through that sort of stuff so yeah. um, all right so just get, just going back a step um the trencher's got a crummer bar uh which helps um clean the bottom of the hole and it's got a spore logger. Would you explain what those are used for, Ant? Yeah, so the crummer bar is, is spring-loaded, so nose, and it sort of trails the, as you're dragging the trench through the through the trench as you're cutting. It drags and keeps that spoil against the chain so that the chain can then drag that spoil to the top. From the top, once it gets there, we need to get that off to the side rather than it just piling up in front of the virgin... Um, trench where you're cutting so it, it the spoil auger is just the, the like the flights on a on an auger it moves it out to the side and then deposits it into like a, a nice mound to the you know one side of the trench on the big foot with the high drive it deposits it both sides so it, the high drive tends to get the spoil out quicker and, and you've got smaller mounds but you've got to fill that trench from both sides whereas the big foot will deposit a larger mound on one side which mm. is and it leaves that opposite in. side of the trench stem for for inspection the, yeah or laying your, your yep. pipes or cables yeah, or whatever you're doing that, yeah, yeah without you know filling the trench back in yeah, yeah. yeah. so, so the the big foot um, is ideal for every operator but that foot uh, has got a preset depth and so when you set the let's say the depth to 900 you know you're cutting a 900 uh deep trench mm. but Placing that foot on the ground also uh, places the spoil auger in the ideal position, so it's not hitting the ground or it's not too far up uh, above the ground. Um, so we call it, you know, it's great for every operator, especially the beginner, where the high drive is the opposite. It doesn't have a foot, yeah. so you manually have to set the height perfectly, and the, an inexperienced yeah. operator yeah. can def- damage those organs. <coughs> definitely orders. needs the, the the high drive. Definitely needs a more experienced operator. It, it, it will. In in you know in terms, it will cut better. It will cut a faster trench, but you definitely need a, a um, an experienced operator because once those two those two spoil augers touch the ground, you're uh, you're digging up Mrs Smith's you know front lawn. You know if you're going through along a nature strip or something like that, you're digging up the, the lawn, but you're also robbing horsepower away from the from the actual chain. Yeah. 
So right. you've got to just yeah, scallop in the ground out. With yeah, the, yeah, with and you just got to you've got to know to keep those those. So, so why does it uh, trench better? Well, it's, it's more efficiency, so there's less contact points. So, so with the high drive, the, the very name of the high drive, the, the dry sprocket is up out of the spoil. So it's not getting, it's not processing a whole heap of material around that, that sprocket, mm. that dry sprocket. Then the, when the chain goes down, it's, for want of a better description, a, a triangle-type shape. Mm. You haven't got your chain contacting your boom so again every contact spot that that chain contacts the boom the nose roller the ground the dry sprockets all that robs your power robs your horsepower so if if you've got it nice and clear and it's only got the very front on the nose roller the dry sprocket and the um, spoil auger they're the only contact points one small spot underneath the boom just for mm. take the flex out so it, it stays really efficient and, and it just clears really well. The, the spoil comes up. It's not processing that overburden. Basically, all the horsepower that your machine is generating is, being, is transferred into that chain, chain yeah. on the high drive. The, 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 the Bigfoot, it, it might lose you know, 5 or 10% of that horsepower just through contact points. Yeah, but I guess but if you're trenching every day, if all day, yeah, no. uh, high drives for you. Otherwise, Bigfoot is fantastic. Oh, Bigfoot's like see, you know. If we look at our numbers; it's, we're probably you know ninety percent, or even probably more, a Bigfoot because it is very easy to use, and yep. you can, you know, the contractor can put any Joe onto his machine, tell him to dig a trench. The guy just rolls that trench that that trencher over until the foot's in contact with the ground, and away he goes. All right, let's quickly talk about our range of trenches. We've got different depths, uh, chain widths, um, and you mentioned that obviously we've got those two different um, trenches. And will you take us through our range? Yeah, so we've got the Mini Bigfoot, which is for your lightweight machines, your mini loaders, small skid steers, small excavators. Then we've got the Bigfoot, which is your mid-size excavators, mid-size skid steers and then we move into a uh, XD Bigfoot and the XD high drive so they're just a two inch pitch so it's a bigger chain everything's bigger on it it suits the larger higher horsepower type machines and um, within that we then run a earth chain and a combo chain so the earth chain is just your your budget chain it's it's that guy who going to trench two three times a year in very soft soils um, and it would just clear the trench with a, a cup tooth then you've got your combos and your full dig attack combo being 70% tungsten carbide tooth with your cup tooth and then your full dig attack for your hard ground where you know you're just going to be going in through lots of shaley sort of stuff and um, with those you, you just basically suit it out to whatever machine you've got and, and ground conditions. So the sales team will run through those questions with you to determine which one's best suited to you. It's no good grabbing a mini Bigfoot because it's the cheapest and going and sticking on your your 120 horsepower posi track. Mm -hmm. You're just going to tear the guts out of it. So it's like everything with our, our gear. The, the sales team will help you to determine which one is best suited hydraulic power-wise and physical-wise to the size of the host machine. So how wide can uh, can you trench? 
On the XD trenches, we can go up to 350. That's that's very hard on the on the chain. You, you imagine you've got 350 cut all pulling down on that that um, that centre of that chain. So 300, 350 at a pinch, we will go to on those XDs. Um, about 200, 250 on the smaller trenches, and um, right down to 100 mil on your minis which is just a, a tooth basically bolted straight onto the chain and we'll cut that 100 mil trench 150 is the most common that's going to get most of your your poly pipes down inside it it's going to do your electrical your plumbing all those sorts of things yeah. that that's another thing too but the, the, we, we talk about the high drive and the differences the, you know high drive you can put a chain on up to 350 wide whereas the maximum chain you can put on a big foot is 250 so is it 250 or 250 200? on the XD? 300. Three. No, no, no. That's no. the XD, yeah. but the, the Mini is only 200. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, sorry, but also we got the, um, the you, we've got the Bigfoot, but there's various settings on the Bigfoot. So we can, I think it's the, the Bigfoot, you can do 450, 600, 900 of the three settings, I yeah, think. Yeah, and the Mini. Yeah, and, and then, then those the big, big ones got... The same, 600, but 1,200 as yeah, well. And yeah. 12, yeah. yeah. Um, now, you, you touched on skid steers and so on, but uh, if I've got a telehandler or a backer or a tractor, can I use a trencher? Um, tra tractors are, are very difficult. Tractors, depending... You, you, so there's a, couple of, there's a couple of things there. So a tractor, one, if it's hydrostatic drive, so you've ticked one box that you can potentially fit it because it's hydrostatic drive if you've got a, a gear drive even if you put the slowest creeper gear on mm, that you've got you, you'll still be going too far you'll be constantly having to ride that clutch you'll burn your clutch out and you're constantly stalling the trench and because at some points it's not a you might a, be look like you're even going backwards you know you've just got pressure on that trench while it's cutting through the very hard material and then it, you you put it into gear you're just going to stall it mm. so if you've got the hydrostatic so that's tick one the next thing we need to look at with tractors is that they tend to have a very small oil reserve so they you know they might only have a 20 or 30 litre tank of oil and they don't tend to necessarily have oil cooling on there so a trenching application is very hard on the hydraulic system in the sense that it's working constantly it's not an auger drive where you you drill stop come off shake off go down drill and it's mm. constantly stop start stop start with trenching it's just going it's trenching it's trenching and and you're you're superheating that oil and now if your tractor's running at 40 litres a minute, 35 litres a minute, you only got a 20 litre tank, you're recycling that tank two times a minute, you know, more. So if you haven't got cooling, you're out, out back of Australia and it's a 40 degree day, you're going to start cooking some stuff. So we tend to walk away from from trying to set them up on tractors. They, they, they're a very difficult thing to do. So um, if we move to your telehandlers, Again, most of them run the same sort of hydraulics as skid steers and that sort of thing. The only glitch we get with those is, depending on the host machine, what safeties they have set up. Some of them won't allow you to actually move the boom and all that with, if you've got them lifted up or down or out, it won't allow you to do that. So it's just dependent on the host machine, but um, the sales guys will be able to help you walk through that and uh, which ones you've got. But 
you you got much more chance of fitting on a telehandler than a than a tractor. Now, I presume that uh, speed and torque uh, also plays a factor in trenches like it does with drilling. Um, so what is the ideal speed or is there an ideal speed for chain? Um, is torque a factor or is it chain speed? Yeah, like everything, you want a combination of both. You, you, don't, you can't have the fastest trencher and no torque or the highest torque with no speed. So we... we set the gear factors up so that you got the optimum and then you can adjust that through your machine through your revs depending on what oil flow you got so there's a guide in the operator's manual that helps you run through and get those optimum speeds but um you know most of the most of the trenches that we do are set up with what we feel does the the 80 percent rule the old 80 80 20 rule so that does it if if you are struggling and you find that you you got lots of speed, no power, or too much power, no torque, you, you talk to the service department. And because we make our own gearboxes and we've got lots of gear set options, we can change that out. We can change cubic capacity as a motor and 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 sort someone out. So it's not too often that someone will be unhappy with the performance of of their trencher because we can always get them into the place they need to be. Um, now, if I've got a skid steer that's got standard flow and high flow, would you recommend that I just go for a standard flow trencher or would you push me onto a high flow? What's the advantage between one or the other? Well, it comes down to application, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. Like it's, you, you, you can throw it on high flow and, and be achieving no more than what you will on standard flow, but your machine's running harder, everything's running harder. Yeah. Um, so it all, all depends on what your low flow is going to be. You know, if your low flow is, you know, like our excavator, low flow is 30 litres a minute and then we put it on high flow and it's 85 litres a minute. So in that application, you'd want to be running on your high flow, mm. you know, because 30 litres isn't going to get the job done. So you want to be running. If, if your low flow is 80 litres but you can punch out 130 litres on high flow, are you getting an advantage because the trencher running at 80 litres is going to be very efficient? So I guess it depends if you want that added horsepower, if you want extra chain speed to get, if you're in very light material and the material just keeps falling back down in the trench and you want to get that chain speed up so you've got to run on a high flow, then we've got the ones, the, the trenches to... You're always, <coughs> you're always going to get you know better life. If you're tr doing a lot of trenching... You're always going to get better life out of your trencher with with a high flow. You know you've got a you've got a bigger in the, in our ter, you know, terms. We use an Eaton six K motor, six thousand series motor on the high flows. We only use a two thousand series um, on the lower flow ones. So if you're doing a lot of trenching, you want you you know you'll get benefit out of that bigger motor. It, your longevity. Um, in like, some like cases, a Prado and a and a two hundred series. Yeah, yeah, your six cylinder versus your V eight. Yeah, yeah, and unfortunately, they don't make the V eights anymore. No, yeah, <laughs> sore point there, right? <laughs> um, but um, in some cases, um, we we had um, I think we did about thirty trenches over into Saudi Arabia for a, a railway project over there, and we fitted Psi radial piston motors to them because they were out in the middle of Saudi Arabia, in the middle of nowhere. And um, you couldn't run the risk of, of failures out there. <clears throat> and they got much, much better performance out of those. And 
they they completed. I know they completed the job because we you know, they you know, sang our praises you know, for getting that that work done. That was all. You know, you think about big railway projects. It went from um, it went from uh, basically the Q8 border down looked like a great big fish hook running down through the centre of, uh, of Saudi Arabia and hooked around and came up in Amman on the other side. And you think, you know, why wouldn't you just get in massive, big, you know, dedicated, dedicated yeah. trenches for that type of work? But it was a, a, it was a broken project. There was about four different <laughs> tribes <laughs> um, had the rights to do certain sections. And um, it was just, for them, it was just much easier. They fit them all to bobcats, um, and away they went. And, you know, did the job really successfully. Yeah. Mm. And I think they've still got another section of that, because the, um, the first side of the rail they opened, they prepared both sides for the rail, but they, the first side that they've opened was for, f for freight only, from the ports to, to um, in, down through the centre. And then their second side... I'm not sure whether that's been finished by now, but um, was for passenger rail. Oh. So, yeah, it's a pretty big project, that one. Yeah. But that's where, you know, you talk about, <coughs> do I use a, <coughs> a low flow, high flow? It's application. application and, and yeah. you know, what, you, you know, what you're going to require. And I'm going to have this, I need this every day. Yeah. We'll put the, the high flow um, on. It might come down to budget. And budget, yeah. 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 Well, yeah. You know, yeah. what yeah. they can afford at the time. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know you're not going to be very happy with me asking this because uh, it's the old uh, how long is a piece uh, piece of string. Okay. Uh, but we get asked all the time: is how long do teeth last? How long uh, does a chain last? Um, you know, people always want to know uh, how durable is it compared to a bucket. Are they changing chains every hundred meters, or is it every hundred kilometers? You know, an idea. What, what's your experience? <laughs> It's, it, it, it is it, it, no, but it, it really is that it, you know that the first thing that comes to your mind is how long's a bit of string? How hard's the rock? Oh, it's it's so it's, it's, it's what you yeah, it's what you so what you're digging, and and, and, like, and there might be it's sand. Yeah, guys, yeah. I'm only digging in sand. No, that's it's most, so, so abrasive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, all right, it is so a that's, really, all, that's all I'm getting. Nah, from that well, one. look, you know, we 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 put it in our um, operator manuals. We put there's a, a very little a simple guide. Um, you know, your dig attack, naturally your dig attack tooth chain is, you probably your teeth will outlast the chain on a dig attack. Um, your, your combo, combo chains, your mix of dig attack and, um, cup, and cup teeth, um, okay, you, you would be guided by your cup teeth on those ones. And, and we do put a guide in the operator's manual, I believe, Lionel. Is that still... It shows, you, it shows yes. what a worn shows tooth... Shows what a worn tooth, yeah. you know, what a 100% cut's going to give you, what you know, what a tooth's going to look like at the 70% and so on and so on and so on. And, and, and so we recommend... And we recommend a change where they're totally useless. Yeah. So you might you might change four sets of cup teeth out to, to one carbide tooth. Yeah. Yeah. You know, even though that carbide tooth, we, we position that so that it does the initial strike, but that carbide tip is just so much stronger and yeah. more abrasive resistant to that cup tooth. So, yeah. um, you know, that, but that cup tooth just helps to clear that last bit of soil out. Is it like just, you know, you put fuel in your car and depending on how 
hard you drive it. That's right, yeah, how long you'll get it. Yeah. It's, it's, you'll go further, you know, if you yeah. drive easy, drive to the speed limit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, is the guy, are you, are you just letting the chain cut or are you ploughing it through that? They all add, yeah. add to the wear on the on the rollers of the chain and the, the um, spacer blocks on the chain, all those sorts of things. So it really just comes down to maintenance. Are you cleaning it, making sure that the chain stays nice and free, you know? Don't just put it away, rust it up, and, mm. and so that things aren't moving mm. the way they should be moving. So, um, but yeah, it really is almost undefinable. Yeah, thanks for asking. I just had to ask. I just have to ask. Maintenance. Uh, what sort of maintenance uh, are we looking at on a trencher? Uh, there's a good video on YouTube about maintenance. <laughs> <laughs> Was it made by the YouTube guy? That's right. Um, Look, it's like anything with moving parts. You've got to make sure those moving parts stay moving. You've got a couple of grease points in there. You, we've got seals in there that are, are, are sealed off, you know, like your bearings are, your nose roller. are, are sealed off so can keep that contamination out. So they're not, it's not like a daily grease up or anything. But, yeah, you want to be washing that down and, and you know, spray, spray your chain with a little bit of, you know, WD-40, something like that, just to keep that going free and then you got your normal gearbox maintenance so depending on the the amount of hours that you use it is the determines your oil changes um there's a couple of it's because there is a planetary gearbox in yeah, there. yeah yeah so it's, it's and there's some good and the oil does not come from the machine it's independent no, it's yes. independent so you've got to change that out so when you buy that new you know it's that 50 hour service the very first one just to flush out all your gears bedding in and all that you get that one out of the way first and that's going to add much better life to your gearbox so and depending on how hard a life it has it might be 150 to 200 hours change your oil which is easy on a trencher we've got three fill points or three um, exit and entry holes in the um, input housing that allows that oil to get in and out very easily so it's it's all standing there in situ that you can uh, get that done so uh, that is normal checking your bolts checking the nuts checking the um, chain tension is right you know it's like a, a chainsaw you know if you've got this loose floppy chain it's not going to cut efficiently and it's going to wear inefficiently so um, keep the tension up to that um, you drive so profits. we we supply the um, yeah, the, the tool that's the right yeah the, the little spanner that is um, used to adjust the chain tension is actually bolted to the um, boom of the trencher so two I think they're three quarter bolts you undo those you can nip up that chain and then that chain um oh sorry then that spanner is then locked back on and actually holds the nut in position so that it can't loosen itself off so all right so just to finish off on trenches um any tips or tricks on how to get the best performance out of a trencher obviously keeping the wear parts relatively new what about uh, when it comes to operating i i one comes to mind for me that that um, I found oh, years ago, um, and for for people who know me, they know I I um, I follow the sharks and any team playing manly. So <laughs> North Shore is you know probably was always taboo in my my place, but um, I had a. We had a job, and and just there's a lot of lovely people living on the North Shore. So, <laughs> no, hate my no, 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 no. Um, so anyway, I had, we had a job in um, 
I think it was it was actually Manly Golf Course, and uh, it's a it's a tiered sort of course goes down to you know a valley and up the other side. And um, there was a guy there with a five ton excavator with a trencher on it, and he was trenching across the fairways. They were putting in new irrigation, so they were coming down the batter of the of the side of the hill, and then they had to trench across the fairways. And they were, they were getting peppered with golf balls. I think people were using them as, as target practice, yeah. you know. And he, he called up and he said, oh, you got to be, there's got to be a quicker way. So I went out there and we sort of looked at the situation. So then what we did was we took the spoil auger off, we turned the trencher around so the chain was facing back in between the tracks of the, of the excavator and we tracked forward. And he found he was getting twice or probably even three times the trenching speed doing it that way just purely because a you could see where he's going and you know he could dodge those golf balls <laughs> and he got across that fairway and he, he said it was amazing but then when he was doing the batter he had to turn the trencher back around and then he could reach up the batter trench down the hill and then turn it around and start again he completed that in in record time he was he was he was really chuffed with that so in one of my last trips to the to the u.s or actually it was probably pre-covid trip over there we did a video on on trenching and we did that same thing we, where we dropped the spoil auger off turned the trench around on the excavator and away it went and guys were just gobsmacked they just all looked at each other mm. and said wow like that's something so simple mm. and easy and you know especially doing long trenches you know you know we all know from trenching on a skid steer you're looking over your you're looking over your shoulder. Anyone mm. with mm. a stiff neck like I've got, that's not. That's, and that's the not machine a, beeping all day. Oh yeah, and it, it was just a, a far far easier thing to do. And yeah, yeah. so yeah, that's so one little trick. Trick. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So those guys who, who want to do a lot of trenching on their machines, as Al's described doing that, they just need to make sure that the track pump isn't running the auxiliaries because you won't be able to track and run the auxiliaries mm. at the same time so it tends to be the case on the smaller machines because obviously they've got less room for multiple pumps but um yeah if you want to be able to set up like that in that sort of five and a half i think they're the 55 the old ihi 55 j's were yeah. were beautiful set up for that for trenching you know yeah. they're almost yeah. like a dedicated trenching machine those mm. things those, mm. was our irrigation mob at kiriwee there they used to you know, Ten of them yeah. all set up. So, yeah, so we, we've had machines that when you reverse the chain stops. Yeah, oh, yeah. pretty yeah. much so just stalls. You know, like, yeah. um, it's um, priority pump. You know, the excavators are set up to not really run. They're they're a lot different these days, but there's there's yeah. that many settings on on an excavator now for yeah, you know for what much, comes yeah. out the auxiliary. Yeah, it's um it's it's a much easier setup these yeah. days. And I guess on my side, from what I've seen, is trying to keep a really steady even pace back where a lot of people sort of rush back and then yeah, stop, stop and let, let the yeah. uh, uh, the trencher catch up or the speed yeah. um, catch up yeah. uh, but the guys that just just have it they get in the groove and they just reverse at mm. the same speed mm. the, um, it, the, the chain never speeds up slows down it's yeah. just constant that they just plow through it i think that's where the technique comes into it you know the, and, and once you get into that like you mm. said the groove once you're in there it's easy. It's mm-hmm. it's very easy. You know, uh, something that uh, I should have mentioned. What happens when you hit rocks or floaters when you're trenching? Does does is that a problem? Does that stop the the trenching? 
Oh, look, you'll you'll know it. Yeah, certainly <laughs> you'll know it. It'll, it'll start, you know, jumping Scratching and, and yeah, you know, bucking, pig rooting type of thing. Yeah. It's like it's it's jumping up and down. But again, you know, if it's just a if it's a if it's a small floater in there, if you just you know you just move forward and then just come back ever so slow and and let the teeth do the work. Don't try and be not don't, you're not trying to pull that floater out. If you just let the teeth do the work and it, and just let it chip away, and you can you can you can feel it in your you know in your sticks in you know, your hands, or you can hear it. And if you just let it chip away, chip away, chip away, it'll eventually break through that floater and just keep on going. Yeah. If it's solid rock, you you know you're probably gonna you'd be there for a good while, and you might opt to hey I'll just lift up, come over the top of that rock, then go back down on the other side and start again, and you know. Knock it out. Knock it way. out. Some no, other way. I've seen floaters the size of a head or, or larger oh, come yeah. out. So yeah, yeah. yeah. There was a, that one in the UK. Where I was over there for the show. Well, I was going to say last year, but that was probably four, four years, years ago. ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and we went out to a farm, and they had a heap of irrigation to do. But and they were in. The, it was it was like a white rock, and that was that was coming out like tennis ball size bits of rock was just. Spitting out the back of the mm. uh, the chain, it would just it chunked it up and, and just broke it up and, and spat it out. And he, the operator just got used to how long he had to sit there while it cut through. And he, the first couple of times while he was learning, he would he'd pull it. If in, it didn't pull it out, he'd yeah, have to cut through he'd pull it. Pull yeah. it in and stall it, and and then yeah, and then if it was immovable, mm. you'd go over the top and then come back and break it out. Like a good thing too, you know, like shale and that, you know, you, when you come into shale, shale's very fractionable. so, and you, if you hit shale, you, if you've just got to just, you just sit there and just let that chain, let those teeth do their job and they'll just chip away, chip away and they'll just keep pulling it out and you'll be seeing, you know, like, you know, 50 cent size pieces of shale just coming out and just piling up in the in the spoil, mm. and it's and it cuts beautiful in that, you know. Yeah. yeah, and obviously you've got to be set up with a dig attack. Chain. Oh, yeah, full dig attack chain. With a earth yeah. chain, even your combo, you'd want to probably unbolt those 30 yeah. percent of cup teeth and S- add them in there. So. Stuart Wright, the founder of Digger, he's still to this day 100 percent dig attack yeah. every time. Mm-hmm. He, he he would recommend nothing but. Because he said nothing stops it, and, and you know, I always my theory is that I came in sandy, sandy type soils. It tends to you know leave a you know a bit in the in the trench. Um, but now saying that, now that we've got this the head start um, sport, uh, crumber bar, yeah. that that negates that. It just yeah, pulls yeah. it all out. Um, but I was, I'm always of the theory that that 30% cup tooth in there just pulls that softer stuff out. Mm. You know, the, yes, the dig attack will you know cut much better, but that's you know. And that what's that black? What's that black oh, soil? Yeah, well, it's and called it's, black soil. And it, yeah. it's, it's right, real sticky. Yeah. It's like tar almost, and yeah. it just that'll bind up around you. You want almost the least amount of teeth that you can put on and just try and bring yeah. that up in clumps. I always say that's that, that black soil. And it runs down like, you know, western New South Wales and then cuts across into the into South Australia. It's like a dirty great big vein of it. You know. And um, I always say it's like we called it Bakelite in the in the days, which you know, if, if anyone's as old as me and remembers the old phones, they were made out of Bakelite, which was like a, it was just like a really hard plastic. Mm. You know, you, you you could pick that phone up and, and drop it on the ground, and it just bounced. <laughs> it, it didn't break. It was incredibly hard stuff. That's what black soil's like. Mm. You know, you, yeah, you can 
you think you're cutting through it, but then all of a sudden it's just binding, binds up and binds up until everything's coated in it. Yeah. And you've actually got to get in there with a, you know, I've used a, a screwdriver in the past and a hammer and screwdriver, chip this stuff off the teeth. Yeah. And, when, and when it would chip off the teeth and open up, I it's could, like a cast. I could cast a mould of that tooth. It's it's, <laughs> it's a fossil. It's it's fossilized. Yeah, yeah. It was um yeah. It's that's crazy stuff. Yeah. The, the, some of the feedback that we get about the dig attack is people go don't think that it, the, the tooth pulls dirt out of the hole, um, but we recently put a slow mo camera inside mm. the trench and fantastic footage. But it's amazing how much the chain actually pulls out the dirt. It's oh, yeah, the chain yeah, that does yeah, yeah. Uh, so much of the work. Uh, of pulling that yeah. out and putting it onto the spoil auger and, and putting it out. Um, now, we might leave it there for trenches. Um, now, we believe, Al, you're um, on your way to America to visit our branch again. Yep, yep, heading over there. Actually, what are we? We're sitting here on a, on a Tuesday morning. I'm going this Friday. And um, it's just so unusual that there just happens to be a really big baseball game oh, uh, yeah, happening while, right, right just, in, just right, while you're there. Uh, pure convenient. Pure, pure <laughs> coincidence, I might add. Um, so, yeah, there's a, there's a, there's. Um, there's not too many baseball games like in the MLB over there as played outside the MLB states and you know and, and um, home states. Home states, yeah, and played outside the home states. But um, in, in the in the town of Dyersville, where where we're located, it's um, it's the it's the place where the movie Field of Dreams was filmed. Way back, I'm forgetting how many. 1989. Years. Was it 89? With <laughs> Kevin Costner. Jeez, oh, Lionel's a, a buff. Movie buff. A movie buff. I did my research. I but, knew but, you'd ask me for this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's um, yeah, this is where the movie was made. So uh, I think it was last year was the the first time there was a, a game there in the movie. The games played between the U- New York Yankees and the yeah, the, the White, White Sox. Sox. And so they got the two MLB teams, New York Yankees and the White Sox, and they played a game at the, at the location, and, Field of Dreams, but they actually built a, a purpose-built stadium for it. Yeah. Uh, incredible what they did. And like the movie, all the players walked out from... Yeah, the, walked out from the corn. From the corn yeah. behind Kevin Costner. Yeah, yeah. Um, funny enough, uh, the stadium holds... Um, Eight thousand people and it's the town four thousand. <laughs> so it's uh, yeah. fantastic. Well, there's, there's actually well, that was the first game was last year, and then and then um, so there's a there's another game this year, and it was it was such a success that the MLB and and um, ESPN and all that who you know do all the, the television rights for it said let's do it again. Hmm. You know, it was such a big event. So this year it's the Chicago Cubs and the Cincinnati. Reds. Reds, yeah. yeah. And the Cubs is the local team. Cubs is the local, or not local team, it's Iowa sits next to um, to Illinois and mm. Chicago is the, you know, the capital there. And so most Iowans would follow, if yeah. they follow a team, it's they'll the follow clo- the... It's the closest. It's the closest, yeah. Major league Yeah. Team. So, yeah, it just so happens I'm going across and just so happens I've, I've got a ticket. That's <laughs> <laughs> dumb. Terrible. That how, how did that work? Yeah. Yeah. But and no, no, very good friends of ours... Um, Keith Ray, Jackie Ray, they're the, um, I think they're the, they're the, basically the, the organisers of it, and I'm very appreciative of those uh, to those two that they were able to get me a get me a seat in the stand. So we'll see how we go. And maybe they can get me a seat next year. Yeah. <laughs>
Yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Keith. Uh, well, Al, we uh, we expect some stories uh, from your trip back. Yeah. And, um, until then, thank you for listening, everyone. Until next time. Goodbye. Bye. Bye for now. Before we go, if you have a question regarding this podcast or a topic suggestion for a future podcast, let us know by emailing podcast at digger.com. We'll try to answer your questions in an upcoming episode. If you enjoyed this episode of the Digger podcast, don't forget to subscribe or follow so you don't miss the next one and leave us a five-star review while you're there. And also don't forget to tell your friends about it. Remember, you can follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and through our website, digger.com. Thanks for listening.